0: You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlick. Amen. Good morning. Thank you for worshiping with us. And thank you for those online and those who might be listening to this on the podcast I was impressed on my heart as I was coming up, as we were wrapping up worship this morning. You know, sometimes when it comes to experiencing God or encountering his presence, um, number one, we can be in such a hurry that we miss it. But what I was impressed on my heart is a story in in 1 Kings chapter 19 where Elijah is essentially running for his life and doesn't want to live anymore. And God speaks to Elijah, he's hiding in a cave and he asks him to come out of the cave. And and you read the story and Elijah's gonna have an encounter with God and he stands out there and an earthquake happens but God's not in the earthquake, a fire comes through, God's not in the fire, the wind comes howling and God's not in the wind and then it says there was a still small voice and the moment that Elijah heard the still small voice, he wrapped his face because God was in that voice and I don't know who this is for this morning, maybe this is for me, I don't know. I think sometimes when we think about having an encounter with God, We often think that he's in some powerful move, but this morning the worship was more, it's more of this, listen, when God shows up, whether it's the wind, the fire, no matter what it is, it's always good, but sometimes God shows up in a still, small voice, and we need to pause long enough to allow that still, small voice to speak into our life. So I don't know who that's for, maybe that's for me this morning, but I was impressed with that story this morning as worship rounded out. Just that idea that we need to wait long enough to be able to hear his his voice into our life and it can make all the difference in the world. All right, real quick, a couple things before we wrap up our series in prayer. Uh, the first is this. Renovation Simpsonville has been growing. Now, I know today's raining. We have a little bit of space for some more people to be able to come in, but we've been growing a good bit. And uh, as we go into the fall, one of the concerns, and let me show you, let me share a church stat. This is nerdy, but... They say in church world, once a church reaches 80% capacity, so you don't need to have every chair filled, but once you reach 80% capacity, people are gonna stop coming. Number one, if people are fighting in the parking lot for parking spaces, I know Jesus is in here, he's also out there, I know that's a crazy thing, but if people come in and have a hard time finding a space to sit, that can be a problem, and so people just don't wanna be uncomfortable, which we totally understand, and so we realize as Renovation Simpsonville has been growing, we've been staring down the third service, We used to have three services, and then COVID, and then we launched the campus, and so we're like, Lord, Lord, please not yet. No third service yet. So I want you to know, you're like, what's that overflow TV doing in the courtyard? That's our saying, Lord, is an overflow seat. And I know today we don't need it, but we have it ready so that anyone who comes, if they can't fit in here, they're going to be ready for out there, and that's just us trying to be prepared for the crowds, and then if the Lord leads us to a third service, or a separate strategy, the Lord will, will Lord us into that. So I just want to explain what that is. The second thing is this. At the end of my messages, when I pray, y'all get up and y'all roll out of here, which I don't blame you for. You're like, that preacher is long. And, and let's be honest, sometimes he doesn't land on time, even if he tells himself he's going to land on time. But one of the unique things that's happening is because we have two locations, um, I actually hope to be over in Greenville a little bit more this fall. And uh, one of the cool things is in our strategy for two locations, and if God opens the door for more locations, is that you guys have in this Simpsonville location, the the pastor who's shepherding and leading Renovation Simpsonville. And you guys know him, he's Dean and he's an awesome guy. And so he's gonna actually come up at the end of this message today, after I'm done with my part and just talk about prayer here in Simpsonville. So here's my my challenge to you is this, don't bolt as soon as I say amen. Cause I know y'all, we got it ready. As soon as I say amen, y'all are like boom. Dean will be up here and just get a chance to be able to talk with you guys as, the, as we actually call the, both the pastors in Greenville and here in Simpsonville, the local lead pastor. We intentionally don't use the term campus pastor. We use local lead pastor. And so Dean will be up with that time for that. The next thing is this, good gracious, I have all the things. Women's conference is absolutely out of control. Awesome. And so... I popped in last year, and it was incredible. It's right here at this location. Listen, if you, lady, have not signed up, I would challenge you and encourage you. It's not too late. Sign up. Be part of our women's conference. It's gonna happen. Not this coming weekend, but the weekend after. It is truly life changing, and if you're newish to the church and you're not connected, man, can I just tell you something? It is a great way to meet other ladies in the church. There's also gonna be ladies from Simpsonville who are gonna be out here. If you haven't signed up, you can register at our website, therenovation.church. It's gonna be an awesome packed weekend. So much prayer and thought and love has gone into it and it's going to be an incredible time and I would love to invite you to come out to be part of that and last but not least today is 9 and 21 years ago our country was changed forever because of the attacks that happened in New York and in D.C. and I just want to do a quick encouragement to all of us you know we're wrapping up this prayer series one of the things that the Bible asks us to do is to pray for our nation to pray for our government to pray for our leaders. And as it's 9-11 today, to pause to remember what happened to our country, but also that we could take this as Christians, if you're a believer in Jesus, and that we would also pray for our nation. We would pray for our city. We would pray for our state. We would pray for our nation. And that's a good thing that we can do. We remember 9-11 and the the, the people who gave their lives, the firefighters, the policemen who ran into the buildings, but we also uh, uh, think about, and pray for our nation as a whole. So just as an encouragement with that. All right, let me move into the message. I wanna wrap it up this morning. And uh, the title of the message is simply this, The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Acts chapter one. We're gonna be there in a little bit. As you're maybe turning to Acts chapter one, which we're gonna be there in in just a a little while, uh, let me just say this as wrap up the series, ready? Prayer is meant to be personal, Please, I think sometimes we can feel like God is such a foreign concept sometimes. God is a person. And this prayer is not meant to be a formula. In fact, if you, they said, literally, Jesus, long before, a couple verses before, he teaches us how, like the model prayer, he says, Don't babble on, which is one of my favorite verses of Jesus. He's like, Stop babbling on. Just stop it. It's meant to be personal because we're praying to a person. And so this is not meant to be a formula. It's just meant to be something that helps guide you in your thing. And when you look at the Lord's Prayer, again, you see the prayer starts with praise. And you look at your prayer life, you can start God praying to God by praising his name. It's one of the best things that you actually can do because it'll change your perspective. The moment you start praising God because of who he is, I promise you it'll change the way that you ask him for things. It'll give you the faith to believe God actually is able for these things. But you can start with praise, you bring your petition, you're asking, and then you end with praise, which is what we're gonna talk about today is this last part in this verse. But man, I wanna remind you, prayer is meant to be personal. Um, having said that, I'm gonna start actually before I even get into the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I wanna start with a verse. This is Jesus in Matthew 10:39. Ready? If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. This is an unbelievably challenging verse, by the way. It's just unbelievably challenging. Uh, years ago, I heard an illustration of a little girl who was a part of a precious family, and she was going to the store with her mom, and as she was at the store with her mom, it was one of those, like a dollar store, she saw standing there in the toy aisle this beautiful necklace made of plastic, and it was gorgeous and princess and the right color, and she fell in love with it, and she goes to her mom, and by the way, if you you have a parent of young kids, have you noticed how they put the stuff in the actual checkout lines now? Has anyone seen that? That is awesome. Evil, like that is straight not like, and so like, especially some of those stores. If you have a little one, they and so like, anyway, that's not that's a whole separate thing. But girl sees a necklace, goes to her mom, and says, "Mom, can I please buy this? It's like a dollar 47 And the mom's like, "Well, you know, you got to do your chores. You don't have the money for it. You know, let's see if you can do it." So so they go home, gives this little girl some different jobs they can do around the house. She saves up her dollar forty-seven. And is so excited, goes back, buys this necklace, comes home, and just wears it with incredible amounts of pride. I mean, just beautiful, and she's so happy. And every night when this little girl would come into her, would go to bed at night, her father, who was a good man, would come into the room and would would tuck her in, would (laughs) pray with her good night, and she would wear the necklace to bed. And the father would lean down on her and would say, Hey, listen, sweetie, I have an idea would you be willing to give me the necklace that you bought? And she's like, no, I earned money. I bought this stuff. There's no way I want to do it to you. He's like, all right, that's fine. And you get up and you leave. Next night, tuck her to bed, same thing. Hey, sweetie, you want to give me this necklace? No. Next night. And it went on and on like this for a while. And finally, one night, the father comes in. She's crying. He prays with her. And she looks up at him and says, daddy, if you really want my necklace, fine, I'll, I'll give it to you. And she takes the necklace off and she, in tears, hands it over to her father. Her father says, thank you, and they get up and leaves the room. (laughs) She's like, what? And he comes back in with another box. And he opens it up and he says, sweetie, this this necklace has been in our family for a long time. And I want you to know, this is the necklace that's gonna be your necklace. And when you're old enough to care for this, this is gonna be the thing that you're gonna be able to actually have. By giving me what you had, I came to give you what I had and I promise you that what I have is so much better. Now, it's a simple illustration, but when you read the verse that we just read, and it talks about, this is Jesus speaking, ready? If you're willing to give up your life for me, if you're willing to give up something, what he says is this, he says you're gonna find life. Now, when I grew up in the church, and I read that, I was like, man, all of us, we think about giving up stuff, and again, I grew up in the church. That meant that as a Christian, you can't have fun. Like, listen, I grew up, if if you looked at alcohol, you were gonna fall in the pit if you smoked a cigarette, if you, if you held hands with the girl, Lord have mercy, and then if you kissed her. Woo! Anyone, no, no, y'all, okay, all right. I didn't grow up in a cult. calm down, I'm just telling you like, that, and, and, and so it felt like Christianity was all these things that you can't do. And then I got older and I realized the part of the verse that I always tend to focus on is giving up something. What am I having to give up? What am I having to lay down? Because it's it's real. We have to give up something. But the part that we miss or that I've always missed is that Jesus says, if you do it for me, you're going to find life. That there's actually, it's not just that Christianity is not just a process of giving up something. There's actually a process of exchanging what you have for what he has. And it's this incredible journey of saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to give this up. And the benefit is if you're actually able to do this, you will find what Jesus said, which is life. The reason I bring this up is that the, the, the series that we're in wraps up and it wraps up. In fact, let's look at the Lord's Prayer real quick. Ready? It says this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. By the way, I'd encourage you to listen to our previous messages on this. We went phrase by phrase. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And that last phrase, ready? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. To me, and this is personal to me, this last phrase is the explanation of how you and I can understand how we find life when we trust God. When we give up some of our stuff and we hand it over to him is actually how I believe you see Matthew 10, the verse we just read, actually come to life. So I'm gonna tie these two things together, hopefully. Um, But these are tied together for me, myself. So I'm gonna start off by taking this phrase and, and dissecting it a little bit. Ready? Here's the first that I want you to see in this prayer series as we wrap up this last phrase. Prayer is about God's kingdom. It is about his kingdom Jesus mentions in the gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John 129 times that his kingdom is here his kingdom is here kingdom 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 Now ready the kingdom is kingdom by itself is latin and it simply means the king's dominion And so in this prayer time it's essentially saying this the king who has dominion over something and Jesus 129 times establishes that his kingdom is here and that his kingdom is here Now The gospels tell us, and Jesus tells us, what are the greatest commandments? To love God and to love people. And that's as Christians, the greatest thing that we can do is actually to love. Now, I've said this before from stage, but I don't believe the opposite of love is hate. If you were to ask, what's the opposite of love? I don't even believe that the opposite of love is indifference. There's a lot of hate in the world, and there's a lot of indifference in the world. But I don't believe either of those things are the opposite of love. What I believe the opposite of love is, is selfishness. When all we do is think about ourselves constantly and continually, we don't have the capacity to think of others. And so if you look at it, very selfish people have very few people around them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And they just do. And here's the thing now, I wanna make sure this is clear. God absolutely cares about your needs. He does, and so it's not selfish to pray to God. In fact, the prayer we just had, he says, ask God for your daily bread. He says, ask me to meet your needs. I care about the things that you need. But the journey of being a Christian is moving from being a selfish person to being a kingdom-minded person. Let me give you, this is what this means for us. Ready? Prayer should change our default setting from what about me to what about God. And this is not a small change. Now listen, I want you to not feel guilty about asking God to meet your needs. I want you to not feel guilty for God to move in your marriage or to reach or to to help you with your kids. I don't want you to feel guilty about the job situation you're going through because God absolutely wants to meet your needs. But here's what I am going to tell you: if all you ever think about is you, 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 and you, you're missing a broader thing. That God is actually at work and ready, the king is moving. And as Christians, As people who follow Jesus, if all we ever do is think inwardly about ourselves, we're missing something incredible. And by the way, just so that we're clear, the disciples miss this always and continually too. When you open up the Gospels, I'm gonna, here's a quick verse, ready? It's found in here, uh, somewhere in my notes. Okay, Luke 9 says this. Then his disciples began arguing about which one of them was the greatest. They began, listen. Jesus is talking kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. And you know what the disciples are doing? They're fighting over who's the most important. Who has the skinniest jeans, the best hair. Who can can get up and like, who's the one that God's gonna be like, boom, right there. God is trying to get his disciples to think differently about things. He's modeling prayer. And in the midst of this journey of him saying, kingdom, 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 do you know what they're doing? They're fighting about which one of them is the most important. Now, here's another one. A moment, just also whoa hello okay yeah that was a, almost a voice crack. all right Luke 22 here's another moment where again they argue then they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them now just so we're clear Jesus is the greatest leader the son of God and even his followers argued I just want to I don't know why that just is I don't know so that we're clear Christianity is never meant for perfect people all right so, welcome, welcome, welcome if you know that you're not perfect. If you know that you're perfect, there's a lot of great churches you can be a part of. Hallelujah. All right. I'm going to invite you to those places. Um, <laughs> don't email me. All right. Uh, <laughs> Luke 22. All right. Um, this is Jesus' response to them arguing. Jesus told them In this world, the kings and great men lorded over his people. Yet they're called friends of the people. Listen to me, how much do we see this in our world? People want places of power. What do they do? They lord it over the people. Power, greed, it's incredible. How many, how many times does this happen? So Jesus is gonna change the mindset. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should think or should be like the servant. What? That's what Jesus says. Verse 27, Who is more important, the one who sits on the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. Listen, for I am among you as one who serves. I was working as a college intern at a church in Virginia. It was a a church that had been around for a long time and they were in the process of moving to another property, but they had a school and they had a church. And as an intern, I often got the jobs that interns get. And the church had a big kitchen, and in the kitchen, they had something that I'd never seen before, and a lot of places, but it was called, it's like a grease trap. And it would trap all the grease, trap all the oil, and all of the things that went into the grease trap. Now, I, me and another kid were given the task of taking a shot vac and cleaning out the trap. Now, you have to, I, listen. I, it was a commercial kitchen and they did all kind of stuff for the community and the food world and they had schools and so it was always being used and the grease trap was full so they sent little old intern Jeremy to clean up the grease trap. I said, I'll go clean up the grease trap. I had no idea what I was, I'm an idiot. I didn't know what he was saying. I get the shop vac, I go in there, they show us where the grease trap is, we lift it up and the worst smell I have ever smelled in my life <laughs> stabbed me in my nostrils. <laughs> and I looked at the smell and it was the it was a vat of nasty, and so me and this other kid were like, like Lord, we're your servants. Here we are. No, we're like, how did we get this stupid job? We go out. This is true. We get the shop back, which is significantly underpowered for this job, and we get trash bags and we wrap them among ourselves from head to toe, and we start slurping the grease. Because that's, by the way, do you want to know what one of the grossest sounds is? <laughs> of the grease trap. And by the way, you think that stuff contains itself? No, you start throwing a shot back in that nonsense, it's going Lord! <laughs> so we take one load out, we empty it, and we're not like, it like barely made a dent. We, I, we have, and the senior pastor of the church walks in. And this is like, you know, he's wearing full suit, and he's looking good and he's looking at us looking ridiculous. He's like, so, he's like, sons, he didn't know any of our names at that point, I think. Sons, what are y'all doing? And I was like, well, sir, we're cleaning out the grease trap. He said, well, he goes, well, he goes, y'all are just making, he goes, I'll do it. And I'm like, but, but pastor, no, you're just, he goes, no, 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 I'll do it. In his full on suit, goes to the grease trap and we're dressed in trash bags. And he starts vacuuming it out And we watch as he cleans out the grease trap without complaining, and he dumps it away. As he did this, I got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and I felt, I'm an idiot. The disciples are fighting about which one of them is the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus tells them, the greatest in my kingdom is the one who serves. And then Jesus says, I serve. And you read in John chapter 13, you know what Jesus does? He washes his disciples' feet. This is the son of God who sits on a throne that's indestructible above everything, the creator of heaven, earth, the sun, moon, and stars, of mountains that are great, of valleys that are low, of the ocean that you and I get a chance to swim in. The creator of all of that, what does he do? He washes feet because he tells you and I, there's more going on. And I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. As a Christian, I'm here to tell you something. God cares about your needs, but God wants you to care about what he's doing in his kingdom. Why? Because his kingdom is real and alive and moving. And here's the thing, his kingdom is active. Sometimes, you know why we don't see it? Because all we look at is our own needs. I don't want you to feel guilty about your needs, but I do want you to see, ready? The default setting in your life shouldn't be me, 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 me. I, I, I. By the way, we live in a selfish country, in a selfish culture, in a selfish world. And what God's kingdom comes and says is this, stop it because I'm on the move and I invite you to see what I'm doing. The first thing I want you to see is this, is ready? Prayer is about his kingdom. By the way, nothing will change your life more than understanding that it's not, ready? It's not about you. Somebody, you need to hear that today. And by the way, you think Christianity is not real? I heard a guy who was an atheist. He said, I'm going to be a Christian for a year to see if it's real. He acted as a Christian for an entire year and then walked away and said, It wasn't real. The whole point of Christianity is actually relationship with God. And ready? It's not about you. It's this beautiful journey of giving up our life, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. It's not about you, it's about his kingdom and what God is doing. All right, but ready? Here's the next thing through his power. Acts chapter one, I asked you to turn there like a half hour ago, but let's see if you can find that place again. Jesus has resurrected and he's getting ready to launch his church in Acts chapter one, ready? In my first book, I told you Theophilus about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles. By the way, Acts was written by Luke and just as a quick side note, Luke was not one of the 12 disciples of the 12 apostles, just so y'all know. He wasn't one of them. Even though he wrote the gospel of Luke, he wasn't one of them. All right, nerdy side. Okay, anyway, let's keep going. Uh, where am I? Uh, verse three, minor. Okay. Uh, so no, to Verse two. Verse two, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles, sorry, further instructions through the Holy Spirit, during the 40 days after the crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them many ways that he was actually alive. And ready? And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. What did Jesus do after he resurrected? Over and over again for 40 days. Kingdom, 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 kingdom. But let's keep going, ready? Once, uh, let's skip down to verse seven. This is Jesus as he ascends into heaven. The father, he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those. By the way, actually, no, let's go back to verse six. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking them, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel, restore your kingdom? Oh, and by the way, which one of us is going to be the greatest when you do this? That's my addendum part to this. They still didn't get it. Jesus' response is this in verse seven. The father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people around everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to see something about the Lord's prayer. And this is, I find this to be awesome. And by the way, this is something about the Trinity in general. The Trinity, one God, three persons, ready? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And do you know how the Trinity tends to operate? The Father says, my Son is awesome, I'm well pleased in Him. The Son says, I don't do anything without my Father, He's the Father. The Holy Spirit comes and says, this is Jesus. And, and without Jesus, you cannot be saved. The Trinity sits in a triangle and says, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome. That's the Trinity. Now, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, I want you to see, I think this is beautiful, ready? Jesus models prayer, and you know what he says? He starts off by saying, our Father who is in heaven. Father who's in heaven, ready? The kingdom is because the king is here. The kingdom come. So this is the son who's involved in the Lord's Prayer, but then he gets down to the very end, and it says this, and the power. Where does the power come from? So you have the Father, you have the Son, and then it ends with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter one, I believe the Holy Spirit And so when I look at this, it's amazing. You can see it why. It's for his kingdom and it's got his power into it. And who's the one who gives us the power? It's the Holy Spirit because he's given us power so that you and I would be witnesses through all the places that God sends us. You have a father, you have the son, and then you have the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is active and alive today. Jesus didn't leave us and let us on our own. He left us and he gave us the advocate, the Holy Spirit that would be with us to guide us in the areas that we go to. And I'm here to tell you, I've been in church my whole life and I've been in ministry for for over 20 years full time. And all that time, I would never make it without the Holy Spirit in my life. When I first started out in ministry, I remember being 22 or 23 years old and I was a youth pastor and I had some kids who were going through some tough situations. I had a girl call me up, I was a youth pastor. I'm a young man and she says, she says hey, hey, Jeremy, I'm having a hard time. I said, young lady, what's going on? She told me her story and it was a broken home situation and then she said, hey, can you come and talk to my mom? I said, I'll be honored to talk to your mom when she's willing to talk to me. She goes, my mom has been thinking about taking her own life. She's been cutting herself and drinking and I'm worried about her can you please come talk to her? I said, I'll be honored if she wants to talk to me. And I remember driving out to the mom's house, actually not terribly far from here, and it was a a home that I knew I was pulling up to. And as I'm driving up, I'm thinking to myself, what in the world am I gonna tell a mom who's double my age about how to navigate through stuff? What am I gonna do? And then I remembered, wait a second, if I'm part of God's kingdom, I'm not ever to do it by myself. And as that began to happen, I said, Lord, Holy Spirit, please give me the words that I might say something that come from you and not from me. And I opened the door and the mom was there and clearly broken. And we sat down for two hours on her front porch. There was people in the background and two hours on the front porch. And we talked about Jesus and we talked about God, how he can transform. And at the end of that meeting, I I was allowed to pray with her. And and, 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 and it was, listen, I left that and I said, wait a second. As people who follow Jesus, we were never meant to do it alone. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So God's saying this, for the kingdom of God, by the power of God, and this is what we can operate in and under. This last Wednesday night, we had a worship night here in the church, and, and as I get up, got up ready to do communion, I felt God gave me a, a phrase for someone in the, in the room. It might have been for me, but hanging by a thread. I said, have you been you're hanging by a thread? Later that night, I got an email. Someone mentioned to me, hey. I literally said that phrase earlier today, Jeremy before I get up, can I tell you the amount of times I've gone to pray with somebody and I felt like God gave me a word? Now listen, I'm very careful with this because sometimes we use God's name for our own selfish agendas. So if I feel like God says something, you know what I always say? I believe this is from God, but you need to weigh it for yourself on whether it's God, okay? And by the way, if you're out there telling everyone, God tells you to do this, do this, do this, I'm here to tell you something, ready? God didn't tell you to do that because you're never called to do that. I, if, if Lord lays something on my heart, I say I believe this is what God is doing. Can I just tell you something? The Holy Spirit is not done. He is active and he is alive and he is moving. Why? Telling people about the kingdom that's on, that that's real and a king who gave his life. And, and, and so these things happen and they're alive and it's, it's amazing and it's real in the power. I want you to see this verse, ready? 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that the great power is from God and not from ourselves. So, for his kingdom, for his power. Lastly, for his glory. Lastly, for his glory. Do you have, this is uh, 1 Peter uh, 4, 11. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself are speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever, amen. So it's his kingdom through his power for his glory. Do you know why you and I ultimately exist? We exist to bring glory to the Father. We exist to bring glory to God. That's why you and I are here. Let me wrap this up by putting that phrase together. Ready? Prayer is about his kingdom through his power and for his glory. I'm gonna show you a video of a testimony of a guy. His name is Ray. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a simple testimony. But it's gonna show you that when God changes someone's life, he doesn't just change someone's life to save them from hell. He changes someone's life to give purpose and meaning to it. So let's watch this testimony.
1: My life as a, as a child is very dysfunctional. I had my first taste of alcohol and my first sex with a girl at the age of 12. And my life then started escalating the wrong way. I was getting in different jails and different trouble. My dad would come in on weekends from construction jobs in a normal way of being drunk and very abusive to my mom. So I decided that I would just leave this country here, join the military and get away from my home. And I wound up in Southeast Asia and Vietnam. Out of our first nine months there, we were attacked 138 times. And out of the 138 times is when we lost about half of our battalion. And that's when I got injured Air backed out, came home, got discharged out of the Naval hospital, married the prettiest woman in the world. And we went to Texas and we started a life as I was a heavy equipment operator. Down the corner, and I sat on the floor. Couldn't believe it. I went off the deep end for about five years. I tried to hold down a job, but I couldn't. I stayed drugged up, alcohol, in jail. And it got so bad in my drugs of mainlining and shooting up cocaine, heroin, whatever I could get my hands on. And my wife said, Ray, there's one of three places you're going to wind up to be. I said, where's that? She says, you're going to wind up either in prison, the insane asylum, or the grave, if you don't do something. And I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in June of 1975. He said, come on, go with me. I said, okay, where are we going? He said, come on, I'll show you. He's been showing me every day. I had made one, uh, one, one trip to Africa, fell in love with the country, fell in love with the people. And the missionary I was working with, while uh, we became close friends. Uh, man, looky here, here's my wife and here's me. We're up now, age for social security and I put all the monies down we'd be getting and he looked at it and added it up he said, hey, you could live pretty decent. And uh, I said, that's it, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna move to Africa, come home and share it with my wife and she gets excited. And, and then uh, I noticed they're uh, starting to take uh, a different road in her health. And it was at that time when they diagnosed her with the the Parkinson's is as bad as it was. That she needed what they call a DBS, a deep brain stimulus surgery. So that put the halt on me in the African ministry. God knows what He's doing. I become the uh, police and uh, fire chaplain here at home. My position as chaplain in the fire department is very rewarding. Men turn to me for a lot of things. And I'm not even a firefighter. I'm too old. But I'm not too old to tell them about Jesus or to help them through their marital situation, to help them with their uh, problem with their drinking, and some of them even still doing drugs. So the chaplaincy fits right in with me because of my past life. been easy? Nope. It's been fun? Nope. I'm home here taking care of my wife now. I love it. I'm a stay-at-home husband. Learning to cook. Bought my own mop bucket. My own mop vacuum cleaner. And I'm learning things every day. My wife's a beautiful lady. Wonderful wife. Wonderful mother, wonderful grandmother, wonderful great-grandmother. And I thank God that I'm saved, I'm born again, that I'm in the center of His will. I wake up every morning looking at the ceiling and thanking God for this day. Now, Father, what would you have for me to do? That's all i say. Every day is a day spent with him, is a day well worth spending.
0: Now I want you to look me in the eyeballs, like straight up eyeballs, staring you down right now. Our Father who is in heaven has a purpose for your life. You are not an accident. And when you read Matthew 10, and Jesus says anyone who gives up their life, what he is telling us is this. Surrender your will down and take up my will because I have a purpose to answer why you're here. Stop wandering around the world trying to figure it out and trying to make it or trying to live according to the world standards. Our Father who art in heaven has a kingdom that is on the move and if you want to understand who and why you're here and who you're meant to be, I'm here to tell you something. It is God the Father, Jesus the King, the Holy Spirit who's going to give you the power to be able to live out exactly who and why you're here and to walk in the grace and when you do that, guess what happens? You find life. The single most Happy, joyful people are those who are fully committed to saying, God, have your will done in my life. Not easy, but man, you wouldn't trade it for anything. Let me, let me just, look, look at this verse in Romans eleven thirty six. ready? For of him and through him and to him are all things. That's essentially the Lord's prayer. For of him and through him and to him. The kingdom is of God, it's through God, and it's to him are all things. Ready? To whom be the glory forever, amen. I'm gonna end with this verse again, Matthew 10, 39. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you give up your life for me, you will find it. God has a purpose for you. He has a kingdom that's on the move. My prayer for you is that when you leave, you pray and you say, God, May your kingdom happen in my life and in my family and in my job and in my neighborhood. How? Through your power today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you because you are a good and gracious God. There is truly no one who is like you. My prayer, Lord, is that in a moment, as we get up and leave, that you would guide us to be the men and women that you've called us to be, that we would know who you called us to be and that we would live that and walk in that in grace and humility. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building
1: his kingdom at therenovation.church.